0: I'm a sports guy, I think you guys are figuring that out, and it's always amazing to me, you know, that you get the championship team, and they get all excited, and they're celebrating, and for about a week, they're selling their t-shirts, and going on parades, and you're feeling good, but after a while, it kind of just loses, you know, the, the, the excitement is kind of gone, and you're already thinking, what about next year? But not with Jesus. We keep celebrating the victory won, and it doesn't... Decrease. It doesn't fade away, but it just keeps increasing. I keep giving God all the glory and all the praise, and I'm just thankful that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ every Sunday, every time we're together, every day. He is worthy of all praise and all glory, and that's what last week was about. We were celebrating Easter. What a wonderful time. I just want to publicly say. Thank you to all of the volunteers that put in extra time and effort in making our Easter a great Sunday together. Thank you for the care that you've put together. You know who you are, and most importantly, God knows who you are. And it always reminds me, every Sunday, make sure, and I'm sure you do, but just a reminder, thank those kids' workers every Sunday. You pick up your child. You know, I was just recognizing, again, it was a beautiful service to be a part of, and I was thinking, oh, man, they missed out. But they could, they could watch online. But the point is still true. They, they did miss. They missed so that they could minister to children. They still find children valuable. But they didn't miss out on the Holy Spirit. They didn't miss out on loving God. They didn't miss out on the goodness that God brings to them. That I do know. I, I like what happens in here. But God is everywhere. And so we know that God is still blessing them, but we're so grateful for our kids' workers. Again, online, if you'd want to connect with us, you're new to Calvary Church or new this morning here, uh, pull out a Connect card and fill it out. So excited about new families coming and being a part of our church. It's exciting to talk to them and say, hey, we're going to start coming. We are committed to this church. Uh, so if you'd like to be committed, you could pull out a Connect card. And a part of commitment to Christ, and we teach that here, not necessarily directly every Sunday, but as believers in Christ, we are givers. We do give. And uh, so we encourage you to give every Sunday. You can give if you're here in an envelope as you leave. There's boxes out there online. You can give by clicking the Give button. Well, we're going to continue on this series of messages called Jesus. But if you've noticed, we've changed a little bit of the color and the tagline because we're going to kind of start touching basis upon Jesus, our teacher. And so we kind of, it took us about four weeks to lead up to Easter, and now we're just going to kind of go back into the life of Christ. And there's so much in there, and so we're going to spend some time going through the life of Christ. And so I had a message prepared and in going into the life of Christ. I had it all figured out, and sure enough, one of our elders just messed it all up. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. That was sarcasm. They didn't mess it up, uh, they uh, blessed me. So I was talking with Doug Clemick, one of our elders, last Sunday, and he was sharing with me a study of his, I think it was your Bible that you have, a study Bible that you have, that's kind of just going through the proof of the Bible. And it hit me in that moment. Uh, I'm like, boy, I need to just take a Sunday and just pause and give you some facts that I have learned over the years about the Bible. Now, some of the home group leaders in here already got some of this information, and maybe they've shared it with you in a home group, maybe they didn't. But I wanted to share it with you, because when I'm thinking about building my life on Christ, when I think about the Word of God and the encouragement that we give you every week, to build your life on the Word of God, I think some of you should start asking, why? Why? Why would I want to read the Bible every day? Why are you so adamant that we preach from the Bible every week? What is it about the Bible? Do you really know that the Bible is true? And so I want to share with you some facts. Now, let me just tell you uh, very plainly, the facts do not change a life. I know that, facts don't change life. Jesus Christ changes a life. So when I share facts, I'm praying. I'm saying, God, it's not just about the facts. It's about the spirit of God that speaks to a heart and changes that life. And so we got to make sure we always keep that in mind. But knowing facts is good. It's important. It's important to study as we keep talking about. So let me start off with a familiar verse I'm sure you're all familiar with from Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, it's the evidence of things not seen. I love this scripture verse. I'm sure many of you have heard that scripture verse before. I love quoting that scripture verse. I believe it's a verse you should memorize and should hide in your heart. It's the substance of things hoped for, it's the evidence of things not seen. Now, the reason why I love this scripture verse is because I know many times in my life, and maybe in your life, somebody has accused you of having blind faith. Somebody has looked at your Christianity, or you've told them, I'm going to church, and maybe they sarcastically said, oh, you just have blind faith. And Many times they're saying, well, have you seen God? Have you ever seen God? Have you ever heard his audible voice? How do you know there is a God? What about Noah's Ark? Have you ever seen Noah's Ark? Have you? Is it still around? Well, no, it's not still around. Well, how do you know the story of Noah is true? How do you know the Bible is true? How do we know these things? And I want to share with you this verse declares that our faith is not blind faith, that our faith is built on substance. And our faith is built on evidence. And I'm grateful today that I can use my eyes to see God, that I can use my ears to hear God. I can touch the things that He's made. I can feel His presence. I can smell it sometimes. It's God that has given me great evidence and great substance. I don't have blind faith this morning. When we come to God, We don't shut our brain off. And I've always encouraged people and tell people, don't shut your brain off when you come to God. I have been around some uh, individuals and some organizations, some religious organizations, where I think uh, I remember watching one uh, religious organization presentation of of what they believed was true, and, and it was a movie, and on that movie it said, somewhere in America, Well, you know what? My Bible doesn't talk about somewhere. My Bible talks about Jerusalem. It talks about the city of Dan. It talks about Bethlehem. It's not somewhere out there. These are places that you can go to and you can visit. Our faith is not blind faith. We don't ask you to shut your brain off when you come to God. One of the greatest testimonies in our lifetime, I believe, in my estimation, One of the greatest testimonies of transformation came from a Chicago Tribune reporter. Some of you may know this. Maybe some of you don't. Lee Strobel was a Chicago Tribune reporter. And he was as close to an atheist as you could get. Well, his wife became a Christian. And so he set out. He's like he was tired of hearing about his wife and what she was doing. He was, she was ruining his life. He wanted to live life the way he wanted to live, and his wife was accept, had accepted Christ and was changing her lifestyle, and that was affecting him. So he set out to prove to not only his wife, but he was set out to prove to the world that this Christianity stuff is false, it's phony, and I'm going to prove it. He was an investigator. So he had the skills. He had the skilled brain. He had the education. He knew how to get down to the evidence. And that's exactly what Lee Strobel did. Obviously, he had no bias towards Christianity. He was determined to prove that it was wrong. He was not like you and I where we're loving God and we're... We're we're grabbing a hold of this truth and that truth. Look at this is God, this is God. No, no, no. He was looking for every mistake the Bible made, everything that looked like it was false. He was grabbing that and he was grabbing this information because there are times you can read the Bible and somebody might say, well, what about this? And obviously I can't go over everything that's difficult today, but, you know, you could make an appointment, you could take me out to eat, and we'll talk all day about all those difficult verses in the Bible. Well, that's what Lee Strobel did. He was grabbing all of this information. And Lee Strobel, at the end of his investigation, using his skilled brain, concluded that Jesus is real. And because his wife was praying for him, he accepted Christ. And he believed that the resurrection happened. There was no there. there was no fairy tale about it. This investigative reporter for the Chicago Tribune wrote a book called The Case of for Christ it's a great book i encourage you to read it if you have a friend that doesn't you know laughs at you or is accusing you of blind faith tell them to read the case for christ book it's one of the great testimonies of what god will do when you turn your brain on when you use your brain you don't have to shut it off you don't have to put blinders on to believe in god you can open up your eyes you can open up your ears you can investigate it And use your brain to discover that Jesus is real. And I know for me today, I'm grateful for the evidence. I'm grateful for the substance that God provides in my life. I'm grateful that Tara and I had the privilege of going to Jerusalem, and we've been to Bethlehem. We walked where David walked. We were where Abraham walked and journeyed. We traveled those roads. We were in places where Jesus set his feet upon. We were in these locations. I'm grateful for the evidence. I'm grateful for the substance. I'm glad I can open my eyes and I can use my brain to find more of God in my life. I'm grateful today that the Word of God has been a lamp to my feet and it's been a light to my path. It's not something, I don't shut the light off. I'm not trying to hide what's happening in this church. You can bring a flashlight. You can shine it around and say, hey, what's going on in the church? Bring the lights in. Let's see. Let's see what God is doing. I have nothing to hide. I'm not hiding nothing. I'm not, I don't, you can question me. I'm not above being questioned. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go to this Word and we're going to study it together. We're going to find the substance, and we're going to find the evidence for God. So let me share with you today, I, I know I've gained great substance in my life. I have, I have the presence of God in my life. That's substance. I have the love of God that has forgiven me of all my sins. That's the substance. I've been forgiven of my sins. We sang about it. The guilt has been taken from my life. The shame, the worry, the doubts have been taken from my life, and I'm so grateful for that. But let me give you some evidence that I have picked up over the years, and I wanted to share it with you this morning. You have notes, and um, I don't know if I'll do this forever. I did it mainly for our home groups, and I give it to our home group leaders. It has discussion questions in there. and uh, But today, today's notes, you know, I don't pretend like I'm the greatest guy in the world, and you just need to just... Record everything I say and think about it. No, I'm just the guy that's going to keep pushing you to the Word of God. That's who I am. And so I'm going to keep doing that. So I understand, you know, not everybody, you know, takes the notes, but today might be a day you may want to just take those notes. Uh, because I put in there everything that I'm sharing with you, things that I have learned uh, about the proof of the Bible. And how we're going to do that today is we're going to ask this question. The question is, How do I know, how do you know the Bible is true? How do you know? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever studied things outside of the Bible to know that the Bible is true? And we're going to talk about that today. So let me give you the first answer. The first answer to that question is, the Bible says so. Oh, okay, well, (laughs) great. Uh, I didn't need to hear that. I knew that already. But it's important that you understand this. The Bible says so, and the Bible says it 2,700 times. 2,700 times the Bible says it is true. Now that's important. I know somebody who you may be trying to witness to who it maybe is an atheist who doesn't believe in God, they may say, I don't need to hear the Bible says it so. It's like, it's like a Cubs fan telling a Sox fan the Cubs are the best team. Of course the Cubs fan's going to say that. But the point here is that the Bible says it 2,700 times, overemphasizing the point that what you are reading is true, that God was not hiding, that he was speaking truth, and he is ultimately confident in his word, that he is protected for thousands of years, and that the word that we read today, he's still claiming that it is true. Over and over and over and over again, you read the Bible and it's going to declare it is true. It's not fake. This isn't a fairy tale. This isn't some poem that you're reading. It is my word. It's the spirit of God that you are hearing. And the Bible says it over 2700 times. Number two, people say so. Oh, here you go again. That doesn't help me. (laughs) But let me share this with you. You have it in your notes. In the last 50 years, 9 billion Bibles have been published in in 2,303 languages in all seven continents. Wow. Come on now. I I know. I'm, I'm building up to something. I'm not saying just take that one fact and you're done. But you take that fact along with every other fact. This word as being reproduced. Why is it being reproduced? Number one, because it's God's word, and it's his word, and his word never fails. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God says, my word will never fail. And it looks like his word is not failing in 2021 because it's still being published, it's still being read, and most importantly, it's still transforming lives. It's still taking the broken, and it's fixing them. It's still taking the drug addict and setting them free. It's still taking the liar and letting the liar turn to truth. It's still changing us. It's still helping me. It's still building me up. I'm telling you, I'm a part of that people saying so. I'm telling you, it is true. Number three, continuity says so. Did you know the Bible was written over 16 years? years, by 40, oh, let me do it, let me do it the opposite, 40, I think that looks like 40 to you, by 40 authors, 1600 years, 40 authors, and they all wrote one single book with a single theme, that God is real, God is love, and he loves you. Now, these authors, they were fishermen, they were peasants, they were tax collectors. They were kings. They were mighty men. They were prophets. They were teachers. They were different people. They were not all the same people that went to the same school. They were different people from all walks of life, from different points of view. And yet, all 40 of them, over 1,600 years, wrote a single Message that's contained in these 66 books. Now, a couple of other little things. I don't usually preach about this, but I'm just a little side note because people might say, ah, oh, that's just coincidence. Okay. Think about this. The book, the, the, the Bible, there are 66 books, right? There, are, How many books are in the Old Testament? 39. How many books are in the New Testament? Just subtract and 27, right? Take the book of Isaiah. How many chapters are in Isaiah? 66. The book of Isaiah is broken up into two books. How many chapters do you think the first book of Isaiah has? 39. How many chapters has the second book of Isaiah been broken into? Twenty-seven. All right. That's why I don't preach about it. Somebody say, that's a coincidence. One more. One more. The middle of the Bible. Do you know where the middle of the Bible is? Well, Psalm 118. So, close. I mean, come on, how many of you are going to guess that, right? Psalm 118 is in the middle of the Bible. Do you know what the longest chapter of the Bible is? Psalm 119. Do you know what the shortest chapter of the Bible is? Psalm 117. All right, I don't preach about that, but (laughs) interesting. Continuity says so. If those 40 guys get together and say, hey, how are we going to get the middle here at Psalm 119 or Psalm 118? No, they didn't get together the Spirit of God was with them. The Spirit of God was speaking to them. The Spirit of God spoke to Moses and he told Moses, I want you to write this story down. And Moses wrote it down and the Spirit of God told David, this is what's happening and I want you to write it down. And David wrote it down and the Spirit of God was speaking to Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, when he was, they were going through a national crisis, he began to write down what the Spirit of God began to speak to them. And God spoke and the Spirit of God began to speak to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. And today the Spirit of God is speaking to to me, and the Spirit of God is speaking to you, and it's the same message, that he loves you, that he died for you, and that he reigns, and you will reign with him. Continuity says so. Number four, why do I believe the Bible's true archaeology? Now, you could spend all day on this, all day on this, or you can even get on a plane, fly to Israel, and just see for yourself. But let me share one of, uh, one of these many hundreds and hundreds of facts of archaeology. In 1991, a team of archaeologists found a stone in the ancient city of Dan from the 9th century B.C., and it read, King of Israel, House of David. This ended a long-term skeptic's criticism that King David was just a fairy tale. Oh, and there's no way that King David lived. Well, guess what? Archaeology proves David lived. And I can tell you, as I've shared already, there's hundreds and hundreds of other archaeological facts that you can find for yourself. Number five, manuscript reliability says so. Now, what's a manuscript? Maybe I'm sure maybe most of you know, but let me just say it to you again. Do you know you have kind of a manuscript of my sermon right now in those notes? So a manuscript is something that you write about what I'm saying, and you all write it down. Now, so that's what a manuscript is. So that's how we got the Bible. People wrote it down, and they passed it on. They wrote it down, and they passed it on. The New Testament, this is the New Testament, has over 25,000 Manuscripts, 25,000 original manuscripts. Now, I want to pause there for one moment and, and think about it in these terms, because those 25,000 manuscripts aren't confusing. No, 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 they, they have continuity as well. 25,000 manuscripts all saying the same thing. That's like if today you all take notes on my sermon, and you keep passing those notes on to your kids— and 200 years from now, they have a celebration of 220 years at Calvary, whatever, whatever it is, uh, 250 years, you know. They're celebrating 250 years of Calvary. And they say, hey, you know, our parents have been passing these notes on because it was a test that that guy gave them a long time ago. And they all pull out their notes. Let's say there's 100 people there. And they pull out these notes, and they say, yeah, this is what my mom said. Pastor Sid said that. They, oh, yeah, my dad said that too. Look. Oh, yeah, yeah, my dad said that. Yeah, yeah. What are they going to say? Pastor said must have preached a sermon on this because every you got a hundred of this saying the same thing. Twenty-five thousand manuscripts. All right, let's go on. One manuscript in particular is only fifty years from the original writing. Now, why is that significant? Well, let's compare it. I know you already read this because you guys are all reading ahead. Uh, I know you already, you guys are smart people, and you've already read that the writings of Plato, now Plato, if you had a philosophy class, you had a history class, you have studied Plato, nobody's arguing that Plato lived. Nobody's arguing that. And yet, the writings of Plato only have nine manuscripts, and those manuscripts have a gap of 1,300 years. So that meant, Somebody 1,300 years after he wrote it must have heard something. They said, hey, let's write this down. This sounds really good. Plato must have said said it. Yeah, let's put Plato's name down. And now today, you and I, we we have, you know, college courses. People are paying thousands, millions of dollars to learn about Plato in college. And it's, you know, I guess, sure, you can build your life on that. Manuscripts say so. Next one. I love this part. Accuracy says so. Now there's a lot, again, a lot of information about accuracy, but the one I'll point out that many of you know already again is the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Dead Sea Scrolls, again, let me remind you, they were found in 1948 in a desert 15 miles from Jerusalem. And they were they were being stored, these scrolls are being stored into clay pots. And they made this discovery one of those scrolls that was in the pot was a manuscript now these were written between 100 BC and between 100 BC and 180 AD all right so right they, these were being written as Christ was on the earth these were being written before he got there and right after he got there that's when these manuscripts were being written one of those manuscripts is a manuscript of Isaiah and when they when they interpreted that manuscript Guess what they were reading? The same book of Isaiah that you and I read. The same book. Proving. Once again, is there reliability in this Bible that I read? This Bible that was probably, well, this one maybe not particular, but maybe you have a, a newer Bible, but this one was probably done in uh, late 2000s. And maybe you have one that came hot off the press in 2020. How do you know that one is right? Well, you could take it and use a manuscript that was written over 2,000 years ago, and it's like reading the same book. I can tell you today that the accuracy is there. Why is the accuracy there? It's because God has been watching over his word from generation to generation through political trauma and through political uprising and through governments coming and going and kingdoms coming and going. God has always been watching over his word. And I want to tell you today that if God can watch over his word, God can watch over your life. You can put your, your life into his hands He's been guarding this word for six thousand years. I know that he could guard your life, and he could protect you. He, you, you know, the verse in the Bible that we build our life on. He cares for the sparrow. How much more does he care for you? How much more does he know about you? He knows everything about you. He knows all that you've gone through. He knows all that you've been through. And he knows all that you will go through. And so if there's somebody I'm putting my life in, it's in his hands. The reliability of the gospel is there because God has been protecting his word for all of our history. I also want to tell you the the other thing. God chose the Israelites. Why did God choose the Israelites? He chose them for a lot of reasons. But he chose them because they were stubborn people. Now, their stubbornness got them in trouble, obviously. But I want to tell you, their stubbornness kept this word alive for thousands of years. They were so stubborn, they said, this is what you're going to read. Don't even think about reading anything else. This is what you're going to read. They were so stubborn and listening to God's word that they had the word of God right here right here on, on the side of their Forehead, They carried the Word. They had the Word of God on their uh, along their garments. They had the Word of God put it on the doorpost of their home. They had the Word of God, and the Bible says that they impressed them on their children. And they wrote it down with accuracy. They were careful to write down the Word of God. Can I encourage you today to live a life that is careful to live out this Word, not just haphazardly. I don't know if I'll read the Bible today or not. No, 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 no. This is the Word of God. It's my breath. It's my life. It's how I'm going to function today. It's how I'm going to be an overcomer today. It's how I'm going to deal with my boss today. It's how I'm going to raise my kids today. It's how I'm going to make it through this earth today. Give me that Word. Don't you dare take it from me. It's the Word of God. And that's why we have the Word, because that's how those Israelites, even though they had a lot of issues, one of the good things about them is that they guarded this Word. They protected it. It was was precious to them. It was the voice of God. They didn't treat it like a book. They didn't treat it like, ah, you know, put it on the shelf, we'll get to it on Sunday. No, 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 no. They knew what it was. They understood it. And again, here's my encouragement. I'm preaching to myself now. Again, it's the idea that this word is going to go into my daughter's heart. It's going to go into her life. And I bring her here on Sundays, absolutely. But I don't pretend like Sunday morning and Wednesday night at Arowana is all my daughter needs. Oh, no, I love that we do that here. But I'm not going to just leave it at that. She's going to get a Bible story in her life every day, and she's going to get me praying. Am I perfect? No, I'm not perfect. I'm sure I missed a day or two in her life. But that is the goal every single day. She's going to get this word, and she's going to hear me praying, and I'm going to pray with her. And because of that, I believe her life's going to be accurate. It's going to be accurately upon the word of God. It's going to accurately come to the Lord. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep believing, and I know she has to make her own decisions, and I know all that. I get it. That's why I'm just going to keep preparing her. I'm going to be stubborn with her. I'm saying, to say, you're not doing that. No, 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 no. You're not going to do that. Accuracy says so. It's the word of God. He's been protecting it. He entrusted it to the Israelites because they were stubborn. But finally, number seven, prophecy says so. Prophecy says so. Just take the life of Christ. There were 61 prophecies of Christ coming in the Old Testament, 61 of them that Jesus is coming with those 61 there were 300 details 300 details to those prophecies and guess what happened in the new testament they all came true we studied a few weeks ago i think it was one of the first messages of of this series jesus said jerusalem's going to fall he said that around 30 AD and what happened in 70 AD jerusalem fell the Word of God said that the Israel, the nation of Israel, it would be scattered. It would be scattered around the world. What happened to Israel? It was scattered around the world. You hear all the time there's Russian Jews. You know, you, there's African Jews. There's American Jews. There's New York Jews. You know, those are <laughs> I mean there's all they they're, they're they're categorized, right? The Jewish people are categorized because they've been. Spread throughout the world, the word of God said that that would happen. But what else did the word of God say? That the nation of Israel would be brought back together. What happened in 1948? I shared this fact with you a couple of weeks ago. It's the only nation that has been scattered around the world to only be brought back into 1948. They became a nation again. It's the only one. Prophecy, the word of God. Every word that has been spoken, and this word has happened. So when you read that Jesus is coming back again, what do you think is going to happen? When you read that there's going to be a great tribulation on this earth, what do you think is going to happen? When you read that these heavens and these earths will be destroyed by fire, what do you think is going to happen? When you hear the word of God, what do you think is going to happen? I know what I think, and I know what I believe. I know that on Christ the solid rock I stand, and I know all other ground is sinking sand. I know that any other book can be a good book, but this is o- the only eternal book. This is the only book that is the true road map to life. It's the only book that will help me in life, that will help me to overcome, that will help me to be the best husband I can be, the best father I can be. And I know it's, this is the only book that will lead me to Jesus Christ his holy spirit that fills me every day and now i know through the power of the holy spirit that the holy spirit only guarantees what is to come i need to hurry up here hebrews 11 let's go back to hebrews chapter 11 let me read two more verses with verse 1 again it says now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen this is what the ancients were commended for by We understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. Verse 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Wow, there's so much here. I love this verse. I know God exists. I know the Bible is true. I know that Jesus rose from the dead and over 500 people witnessed his resurrection. I know that he spent 40 days on this earth after being after conquering the grave. And those disciples received that wisdom and that knowledge and that experience in Christ. And it kept them in a room waiting for a gift that Jesus promised. He said, I'm promising you, I'm going to pour out the Holy Spirit in your life. And they didn't move in. So they said, we're sitting in this room until so we receive this gift. Why would people, oh, oh, a couple of hundred people, sit in a room waiting? They didn't have TV. <laughs> they didn't have iPads. They didn't have phones. They sat in a room and they waited. Why were they sitting in that room waiting? Because they knew whatever God said would happen. And they waited and the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh. And now that Holy Spirit touched their lives and this little group of a couple of a hundred peasants, a couple of a hundred fishermen, a couple of a hundred nobodies spread this gospel. And now here you and I are today in another continent worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because they waited for the promise of the Holy Spirit that was going to guarantee what is to come. Now some might say, I love this verse too. Again, you gotta study these things and look at these words. What did that verse two say? The ancients were commended for. Now, if you study world history, you know that ancient people, they all worshiped a God. There was there was no question, like like it was always a question of, well, who what God are you worshiping? You know, who are you loving today? Read read world history <laughs> there was no question about it and some might say well it's because they didn't have the intelligence that we have today it's because they didn't have the technology that we have today they didn't, they believed in god because they were so they were so not smart like us and i beg to differ one. but let's go with that thought for now okay let's let's go with that thought because what did happen we did get smarter didn't we I'm talking about the world. We did get smarter. We started inventing things that were amazing. I mean just think about all the inventions that have happened. I, I'm amazed. you know one day you have a room this size with a computer and now that same computer sits in your pocket. Is that amazing? I think that's amazing. I'd still get amazed that you can fly in these jumbo jets. I mean we did get smarter. We did invent more things, but I believe only those things only opened our eyes more. Inventions and, and our knowledge, when, when it is put with a sincere heart to know Christ, it only, only opened our eyes more. Listen to this. One more story. This comes from NASA. NASA's premier intergalactic telescope is strategically positioned aboard the WMAP satellite. All right, so I'm giving you specific information. Google, make sure I'm right. Orbiting, so this satellite is orbiting the Earth and transmitting never-before-seen images of the majestic cosmos to missions control in Houston. There, the team of stellar scientists ponder and computer enhance the findings and interpret their significance To the mysteries of our origin. In April 2006, a retroactive computerization from one such telescopic discovery was released on the media airways that brought NASA, not me and you, not your neighbor, not even the gun, brought NASA to its knees. From the moment of inception, the cosmos expanded billions of light years in the first trillionth of a second. That's a quote. Defying all laws of physics and far exceeding every natural explanation, our visible universe today contains more than 100 billion galaxies arrayed through space in gigantic clusters that seem to form spidery webs of matter majesty. So great was the realization that NASA's scientific research labs director, okay, NASA's research lab director, Dr. Robert Jasrow, explained, quote, now we know with absolute certainty that supernatural forces were at work in the creation of the universe. One scientist at NASA exclaimed as he stated, "In the awesomeness of the inception of the cosmos," quote, "I used to worship science as my God. Now I worship on my knees." You know, Genesis one one says this: "In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth." Where, there are three things that God did in that verse. He created time in the beginning. He created space, the heavens. And he created matter, the earth. God created three things. And what scientists try to do is that they try to take the created things to explain how they were created. That's like asking your car, walk out to your car today, every one of you, and I want this to be on the front line, headlines of Lamont newspaper or Chicago Tribune. There's a church that is are talking to their cars. And I all want you to go out to your car and say, Car, how do I, how can I? Teach me how to drive. Car, teach me. That's crazy. So scientists who take time, who take space, and who take matter, and they try to explain how those things got here, it's the same thing. The only way you can learn how to drive a car is you go to the car manufacturer. And you say, Mr. Ford, or grandson of Mr. Ford, will you please explain to me? And he'll say, yes, I can tell you how my granddaddy used to do it, and we still do it the same way. We still put the gas on the pedal. We still turn. Yeah, okay, you are the manufacturer of that car. The only way to understand where you've come from, you can't look to time, and you can't look to space, and you can't look to matter. You have to look to God who's created all of those things to know where you've come from and know where you're going. It's God all mighty. with the band come up here? Cause I'll keep going. God is so good. I love what that verse that Hebrews said here. So that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. Okay. I just showed you that, right? Time, space, matter. You can't, you cannot figure those things out by using those things. But you know, again, God uses everything. So if God wants to show you, like He did the NASA scientists, my point is that you need to go to God. You need to go to the Creator. You need to go to the One who created time, space, and matter. And finally, the verse, that last uh, <clears throat> portion of that verse says, "He rewards those who earnestly seek Him." Last week we talked about those three women, and those three women. What did they do? They were earnestly seeking Jesus. They didn't stop. They watched him being crucified. They should have stopped. No, we're going to keep seeking Jesus. They watched Jesus being placed in the tomb. They kept seeking Jesus. They watched the stone being rolled away. They kept seeking Jesus. They kept seeking him. They didn't give up. They bought burial spices, probably the last of their money, maybe. Who knows? They took their money and said, let's go buy some burial spices. Why are they doing that? They just just saw the body being laid in the tomb which they're not going to be able to get into we're going to buy it for jesus anyways and when they got there the stone was rolled away and they were greatly rewarded by becoming the first eyewitnesses to the resurrection power of christ i know this i'm going to keep seeking the lord i'm going to keep seeking him with all of my heart all of my soul and all of my strength And I know every day He's rewarding me. I'm not telling you my life's perfect. I'm not telling you it's always a walk in the park. I'm telling you this. When the storms come, I'm going to walk on water. I'm going to tell you this. When the mountains come, I'm going to climb them. Not because of my strength. Not because of my wisdom. But because the Creator of the universe is with me. Because He's for me. And He's not against me. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to sing a song of praise and consecration to God. And may your heart be consecrated to the God of the universe. Lord, I pray that your spirit will just begin, begin to touch our lives. May you begin to touch our hearts. We want to worship now. We want to worship with the knowledge that you are the creator. You made time. That's why it gets crazy in our head to think of the beginning. Oh, I don't understand. Wait, 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 wait. The beginning? I don't get that. Where, Where, where did that happen? Well, I'm a created person. I'm never going to fully understand that. But you do, Lord. You understand all things. You understand my heart this morning. You understand if I've received this message or if I didn't receive it. You understand that if if I'm really dedicated or if I'm not dedicated. So I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that all of us would be drawn into your presence. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit.